Welcome back to Mortgage Genomics Canada. I'm your host, Marco Gello. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in British Columbia and Alberta. Born and raised in Calgary, currently living in North Vancouver. If you are from either of these provinces and require any mortgage-related services, please do not hesitate to contact me. Call or text me right now at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Um, took a, a little two-week hiatus, a um, little bit of vacationing in British Columbia's interior, the Okanagan, uh, in Asois. Just uh, escaped the uh, forest fire like by a day insane um anyhow glad to be back and um yeah for anyone listening out there where there's a forest fire nearby um hang in there and uh, i was i was able to get a first-hand account of uh what what the recovery is like or or the the battle as far as you know the, the planes and, and the helicopters coming in and scooping up water and, and dousing the the flames and the hot spots and, and all that terrible stuff but keep up the good worker uh the good work out there for for all of those that are involved in that effort and um hang in there for those that live and vacation near these areas uh i, I think we'll get past this one like we like we do every year okay so today's headliner topic i'm going to talk about readvanceable mortgages um, what are they and how do, how do you qualify for one? But before we get to that, here's what's on my mind this week. Here are some interesting findings based on a REMAX commission survey that, uh, that I came across. It was conducted not long ago. And here's, here's what they found. When it comes to finding ways to own a home, um, the, the generation Z or Z, Z, up in, and this is a group up to age 24 and the millennials from ages 24 to about 38-ish. And these two generations claim that, these are the stats, 54% would consider buying a home in a different neighborhood or region just to be able to enter the housing market. Um, That same group, 53% are only able to own a home with the help of their parents or other family members, 53%. 20% claim that owning a home has meant that they've had to move to another city within their province given affordability challenges. 20% willing to move to another city within their province. 17% have moved or purchased a home in entirely new provinces because it was more affordable than their previous place of residence. So. I think it's fair to conclude that um, that that these generations here—they're a resilient bunch, kind of a uh, you know whatever it takes kind of mindset when it comes to housing. And to stay on this topic or this thread, um, this this vocal thread—it's it's critical, I think, to understand and recognize the desire and. Um, needs of these generations the generation z and millennials as combined the both of them they have eclipsed the largest voting demographic in canada the baby boomers and and this is the group born in 1946 to 1964 so 
if you are like me, and I'm I'm a Generation Xer, okay, I'm I'm 48 years old. I personally always seem to be in disagreement with today's politics, and and it totally makes sense, you know, after learning these demographic numbers, because I am not a member of the largest voting demographics. This is the the Gen Yers, the Millennials, and uh, and even the Baby Boomers. So the generation before me and the generation after me. Uh, election results, market trends. And, you know, like other, what I perceive maybe as mind-blowing changes are not coming at the request of me, a 48-year-old with three children, married, but from a larger, more influential cohort of people that are either 10 to 25 years younger than me or 10 to 30 years older than me. I find that interesting pretty crazy I'm basically like me the 48 year old guy I'm, I'm in the no time to protest just work in the moment demographic um, or at least you know that that's me personally I'm not speaking for everyone my age up until a few years ago it was the baby boomers that drove innovation and influence but now get used to expecting a different kind of direction I think that at least we're coming from a base that was all about preservation you know the baby boomers the not in my backyard people that movement the baby boomers but now the winds are shifting and the largest voting demographic generally speaking anyone under the age of 38 ish to 40 is saying you know to hell with preservation you know that type of mindset and, and, you know, they're more like, I want in, give me my piece of the pie. And here's the thing. Like, I think if you're older than 38, you got to focus on thinking about how you will adapt and adjust to upcoming policies and trends rather than disputing and resisting them. Like, you know, the old saying, like they say, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. So just think about that. If, if you're 30 years old right now, all you've been hearing about all your life is how productive, opportunistic, and wealthy, um, you know, the society around you is, how it's become. And now here you are, ready to start your own family and build your own life. But there's a few things standing in the way. You know, like, everything around seems to be way too expensive. Uh, you simply don't have enough purchasing power to buy these expensive things and I'm speaking mainly of houses but also all the other peripheral things that you require for everyday life like uh, you know gasoline to fuel your vehicle uh, cell phone bills if you're in Canada it super sucks uh, internet cable bills again another monopoly there um, car payments groceries you, you add it whatever Add it to the list. Recently, minimum wage increases, um, you know, that have have attempted to kind of keep par with inflation, but but that's minimum wage. If you have a degree in software engineering or electrical engineering or or any post secondary 
schooling that you've done, you don't care about minimum wage. You know that it's 13 or 14 or 15 dollars, whatever it is. The general consensus amongst these generations, 38-ish or 40-ish and under, is that the cost of housing has simply surpassed their current wage thresholds. And um, yeah, I think this is probably, you know, I'm not 38-ish or, or younger, I'm not far from it, but this is, from what I see, the probably the most demoralizing part of being in that demographic. And plain and simple, generally speaking, um, you know, very generally speaking, maybe this group of, uh, of, of youngsters could, could very well simply be angry, bitter, or resentful, or a combination of both, or whatever. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm a little extreme with my description about their current state, but maybe I'm not. And to get back to my original point, this is the largest voting demographic. So they appear to be pissed off, and they are the largest voting demographic. So think about that. Here I am, the 48-year-old with three kids, in my highest spending years, basically still in the accumulation phase of my life, but also in the preserving what I've accumulated state also. Then there's another younger voting demographic that is perhaps lobbying to, let's say, make me pay tax on the sale of my home. I don't know. And I don't know if that's coming from that demographic. But honestly, as much as I would dispute any type of resistance coming from this younger demographic, at the same time, I got to say, like, I get it. I totally understand where they're coming from. This is what's going on right now. There are some major divides and they are at play. And it's, it's politics and business as, as per usual, but we're at a crossroads of which generation is steering the ship going forward or right now. In, in very, very interesting and dynamic times right now. And how this relates to housing is even more interesting. We're hearing a lot about, you know, rental purpose housing being proposed, at least here in Vancouver. And, and that's all good. But if I'm like in my 30s and, and this is what I'm being offered or this is the news on the street, you know, I'm saying, like, screw that. I didn't dream of one day securing a brand new rental apartment like a lease like no i'm dreaming of like i want my own place something that i own you know a property that has my name on the land title not the landlord's so i don't know that's what i think anyway like i don't know i could be totally wrong but maybe not and i don't mean to be speaking on behalf of, of any particular group but i'm just this is what i'm thinking and lastly um, on this whole influential generational topic, uh, me personally, my own personal conclusion as a 48-year-old generation Xer, married with three children, um, in my time-restricted work around the clock to pay the bills lifestyle mode, um, I'm quietly choosing to be light on my feet 
and uh, kind of just adjust with whatever is thrown my way. And really, I don't think it's a bad way to be. Like, I have absolutely no time to protest or lobby. Like, a none. And I know I sound like a, a lazy citizen or participant um, within democracy, but it's not that I'm lazy. It's simply because I'm 48, married, and have three demanding children. And when I say demanding, I mean in an amazing, fruitful, loving way. So basically, it boils down to priorities. And at this stage of my life, I'm more into adjusting accordingly and looking for opportunities rather than joining the movement to make the change. Okay, so yeah, that's, uh, that's just what's on my mind on that front there. Uh, let's carry on with something a bit lighter now. Global population um, just came across this report um, about historic and future population trends. Super interesting, this one. Since 1950, the global population has increased from 2.54 billion in 1950. This is like when Happy Days was going on, right? The show Happy Days with Ron Howard, Chachi, Joni. So 2.54 billion in that time. And today we're at 7.79 billion. That's crazy. That's a, to be precise, a 207% increase. Wow. But since 1968, the global growth rate has been trending downward from 2.07% to 1.04% today. And it's expected to decrease further to 0.49% by 2050. And of course, this decrease primarily driven by an overall lower fertility rate of 2.5. That's what it is today. And of course, this is globally. So 2.5 fertility rate. In Canada, it's actually 1.5. So back in 1950, it was 4.84 globally. But still, even with these uh, lower trending population increases, um, Earth's population is still forecasted to grow by another 2 billion people by 2020. So that's like in 30 years. So the takeaway here, very, very generally speaking, I would think there would be less demand for houses and growing demand for condos, townhomes, apartments, you know, the multifamily type of units. But in saying that, don't expect houses to plummet the value of houses because obviously they are constructed on this thing called land, um, which all over the world has become a scarce commodity. And that trend, in my opinion, will not be ending anytime soon. So even if demand for single family dwelling housing may decrease, which in Vancouver, I don't think it ever will, um, but let's say it does, the land which they are situated on will continue to grow more scarce, therefore more valuable. Just like the, uh, you know, the agricultural sector and how it classifies and values land based on its soil properties and characteristics, you know, to grow crops, so do humans and how they assess the land for housing purposes, you know, and that would be like proximity to jobs, uh, you know, nature, recreation, schools, and transportation and proximity to the jobs and so on. So nothing groundbreaking in this report, you know, the population growth and the fertility rates are slowing over time, 
but still continuous graduation of second and third world populations into first world countries. And as always, and this is just with technology and innovation, um, you know, we appear to be taking care of the second and third world populations. But as always, a shortage of housing supply, and regardless of whether it's rental housing or home ownership, we're, we're always going to have that problem. So like I advise my clients when they ask if now is a good time, I always reply by sooner than later um, or as soon as possible. And uh, again, this is my opinion. I'm not looking for a debate on my thoughts, just stating them, stating them here on this podcast. Um, so yeah, let's leave it at that. Go out and uh, whatever protest, lobby, whatever tickles your fancy um, for what you believe in. And, uh, and of course, always be voting, even if you're a lazy democracy guy like me, right? Still vote. And buy real estate sooner than later because you're competing with like one of about 8 billion other earthlings. Okay, so that's that's that. Okay, let's begin and discuss this week's headliner, readvanceable mortgages. What are they and how do I qualify for one? Hey there, just wanted to break away from the episode to give you a little background about my brokerage and give you an idea of the team behind me that helps get your mortgage completed without a hitch and on time. The brokerage is called Home Financing Solutions, and it's a franchise of the Mortgage Center, which, by the way, is the pioneer of mortgage brokerages in Canada, established back in 1989. Back then, things were a little different. It used to take weeks to fund a mortgage, and the application process was grueling and labor-intensive. But that was then, and this is now. The process of getting approved and into your home or prompt access to your equity is seamless and swift. Absolutely every step of our process features the latest technology to collect, gather, adjudicate, and safely store your information. The end result is speed, service, and quality solutions. But we also recognize that technology is only as good as the human that is operating it. So not only will you experience the best that technology has to offer, you can also expect personalized follow-ups from Kelly and Justin, who are valuable members of my team. The three of us love what we do and continuously look forward to taking your calls and helping you accomplish your real estate goals. Call or text me at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. Or look me up at homefinancingsolutions.ca. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. And now, back to the episode. If you're about to secure a mortgage, here's something you might want to consider, regardless of whether it's a purchase, refinance, or renewal. Make the mortgage readvanceable. What does readvanceable mean? Firstly, a readvanceable mortgage starts out as a typical mortgage where a specific portion of your payment goes towards the interest charge and the rest gets directly applied towards the mortgage principal, gradually paying it down over time thereby building equity in your home. But this is where the similarities uh, stop and the readvanceable mortgage begins to impose its leading characteristics. Firstly, readvanceable mortgages include at least two components, a regular principal interest mortgage and a home equity line of credit. The supplementary home equity line of credit acts as the primary component that allows the mortgage to become readvanceable. 
A mortgage becomes readvanceable when the first mortgage payment is made and it continues on until the mortgage is eventually paid off. But here's where it gets really interesting. As the mortgage principal is getting paid down with every mortgage payment, the corresponding home equity line of credit limit increases proportionately by the precise amount of the principal pay down. So let's say you have a $500,000 mortgage with a monthly payment of $2,175, so that's principal interest combined, with $1,275 of that $2,175 going towards the principal and $900 towards the interest. In a readvanceable mortgage, the $1,275 principal allocated towards the, the principal would instantly increase the home equity line of credit portion by that same precise amount. Furthermore, you can also access or withdraw the, these proceeds within days of your most recent mortgage payment, hence the term readvanceable. So after five years, the total principal pay down on the fixed portion of that mortgage would be about $79,000. This figure would also directly translate to an increased home equity line of credit limit for precisely the same amount. And lastly, payments are only payable on the balance owing. Unused funds will remain fully accessible into the future for as long as you own the home. So this doesn't, this product doesn't expire, it doesn't get canceled. It's there essentially forever as long as you own the home. Interest is typically calculated and determined based on a small premium on prime rate. So currently 2.45%, that's prime rate. And as of today, the best mortgage line of credit, home equity line of credit, is at prime plus 0.5. And there are always exceptions, you know, for, for slightly lower rates. There, there may be promos going on, but generally speaking, the, um, the industry standard, prime plus 0.5. Some people may even have prime plus one. Um, for every $100,000 of borrowed home equity line of credit proceeds, um, it's about $245 uh, interest-only payments on a monthly basis. In addition to making the interest-only payment on, uh, on these uh, home equity line of credit proceeds, one could also arrange to increase the monthly payment as aggressively as they desire because this product is fully open. There's no penalties. If you win the lottery, you can pay it off. You will not be charged a penalty. Um, benefits of a readvanceable mortgage. Flexibility in payments. Interest-only payments, principal and interest payments, or a combination of both. You can choose however you would like to make these payments. Excellent interest rates and flexibility to allocate particular mortgage amounts to specific mortgage terms and amortizations. Divide your home equity line of credit proceeds into as many as 14 unique sub-accounts and receive dedicated statements for each account. This is especially valuable when using HELOC, or I'll call it HELOC, home equity line of credit, proceeds for investment purposes as you can source and verify the precise tax deductible interest charges. And uh, your, your accountant will love this. So if you allocate 50,000, let's say, $50,000 of your home equity line of credit into, let's say, a non-registered mutual fund, like a, a mutual fund that generates capital gains, um, you can have a separate ledger within your statement that will tally the interest payments, the annual interest payments on that $50,000. So you're totally on board with uh, 
CRA and your, your accountant can accurately pinpoint the interest that you've paid for that investment. And that investment can, um, you know, you can gain the tax deductions from the interest payments that you're making on that investment. Excellent way to build an, emer- an emergency supply of funds. No need to ever reapply for a refinance as home equity is automatically converted to a fully accessible HELOC, home equity line of credit. This also eliminates legal fees associated with any type of refinance for a mortgage. Funds can quickly and conveniently be diverted to purchasing units in a mutual fund, thereby creating a tax deduction on the monthly interest payment, uh, like I mentioned before. So consult with your accountant and financial planner on investments and tax deductions, or just give me a call and uh, we can have a general conversation about it as I do have firsthand experience in in doing these strategies uh, myself. Disadvantages of a readvanceable mortgage. If you have less than 20% equity in your home, you are not eligible for uh, for one of these for a readvanceable mortgage. The precise equity is determined based on a lender selected appraisal. Okay, so if you're interested interested in this, uh, you, you will most likely certainly have a an appraisal that will be required from the lender. If you find access to money or credit tempts you to spend more than you can afford then don't get this. Think twice before applying for a readvanceable mortgage. If you get one, um, you might find it too easy to spend money and uh, avoid paying down debt. So um, avoid avoid this or, or, or think extra hard about getting it. In summary, readvanceable mortgages are excellent mortgage products for various reasons and are especially popular among self-employed applicants as they often value the ability to have access to large amounts of cash at preferred terms. Readvanceable mortgages are also somewhat safeguarded against applicants who may tend to run up the balance unnecessarily as the barrier to qualify for them is quite high. Um, Above average credit scores are required to qualify for readvanceable mortgages. Refinances are limited to 80% of the appraised value of your home, but readvanceable mortgages are capped at 65%. The remaining 15% of refinance proceeds cannot be readvanceable. All right, that's all I got for today. Call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage questions at all, especially if you are in British Columbia or Alberta, as I am licensed to service these specific provinces. And especially if you are from Vancouver or Calgary, as I am very familiar with these markets. Call or text me at 604-800-9593, or you can visit my website at homefinancingsolutions.ca. Thank you again for tuning in to Mortgage Genomics Canada. Stay well, everyone. Talk again soon. Thank you.